now. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Hardware Podcast. My name is Jackson Danner, alongside my good friend, Omar Borja. Uh, I also should say Merry Christmas and Happy Bowl season, Omar. Is that true? Are we officially into the holiday season? Oh, I mean, I, I think we are. I've always put my tree up um, once Maction starts in early December, early November. I've always put my tree up November 1st and started listening to Christmas music. It's a bit hard out here in Georgia because the weather's not as brisk yet. But uh, in the mornings when I wake up, it's cold. So that counts for something. Out here in Texas, it's cold enough, uh, especially when you add a little bit of rain and wind to it. So, yeah, no, it's definitely uh, getting colder. And, man, I think the holiday season is synonymous with bowl season. Maybe not most, but certainly most that listen to this podcast. So, uh, man, I'm excited. We are wrapping up regular season play, which is bittersweet, but we'll get into some conference championships pretty soon. And, obviously, award season comes around. And then next thing you know, there's a bunch of bowl games on that you can find on a random Tuesday afternoon in mid-December. So uh, I know we're both psyched for that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, man. Well, today, um, as you guys know by now, uh, since we're wrapping up the regular season, we're going through individual awards. Uh, Obviously, the first week we did Heisman. We've done the Bill and the Goff. Uh, Last week, we did the Walter Payton and Buck Buchanan Awards for the FCS. This week, we're going to talk about the Dope Walker Award. Uh, If you're not familiar with it, it goes to the best running back or a best player who predominantly plays running back, at least. Uh, A little bit of context on it. Uh, The last and only group of five winner was Trevor Cobb from Rice in 1991. Uh, Obviously, on this podcast, both Omar and I like to emphasize the group of five players and group of five teams. So um, while we are under no impression that a lot of these guys have a shot at winning it, um, like Trevor Cobb was the last group of five uh, winner, we do want to bring attention to it at the same time. So I think we're both trying to find that balance between, hey, who might actually have a good shot at winning this and deservedly so, who are some other group of five guys that we can shed some light to? I just want to know. I don't, I don't know if that's as much a group of five guy winning it um, because uh, Rice, of course, was in the Southwest Conference that year. So, I mean, at the time, uh, Power Conference, yeah. I don't I – don't, no, I didn't know that off the top of my head, but yeah, that makes sense. So no I guess, worries. No, no worries. Yeah, no, that makes sense. So, but we'll still, uh, at least current day, we will emphasize yeah. on that. So yeah. Guys, for sure. So, uh, Omar, do you want me to go first? Do you want to go first on talking about these Certainly. Um, I think the first guy that we have is the same, obviously. I think I think it's the same guy, but yeah, you, you got it, Jackson. Yeah, so first, I think we both have Kenneth. Walker the third yeah, right? of course yeah Kenneth Walker first How could yep. you not? Uh, 175 attempts 1194 yards 14 touchdowns and 6.8 yards per carry uh man Omar I'm glad we didn't record this episode earlier how about his most recent performance last Saturday 23 attempts just shy of 200 yards and five touchdowns in a critical win versus Michigan Omar, I don't know if you remember a few episodes ago when we were talking and I said, hey, like I'm just saying, Kenneth Walker hasn't had his Heisman moment yet. And yes, that 80-something yard touchdown was awesome. About five touchdowns versus a top 10 team. Incredible performance by Kenneth Walker the third. Scored well over the majority of the points for Michigan State in that game. 
I was watching some highlights of him, man. He is a great pure runner, but what maybe strikes me the most about him is his vision and his contact balance. He has enough speed, uh, but where he excels is yards after contact. Obviously, there isn't as much research on that uh, or as accessible research, I should say, as there is at the NFL level. But at multiple points this season, he's led uh, college football in yards after contact. His contact balance is incredible. He's not the best pass catcher, but man, he's not asked to be. So I, I can't really hold that against him. Yeah, I mean, that's an astute analysis Ken Walker's game. And I mean, I haven't, I haven't gotten around to watching as much of Michigan State. Um, the most I'd watched was the game, of course, last weekend. And then a little bit of the Indiana game as well. Um, but yeah, like certainly Walker... He's in a year, and I guess we'll talk a little bit about this later on, but in a year where quarterbacks haven't had tremendous years for Walker to have five touchdowns and probably the biggest game in the Big Ten to date, of course, he's got Ohio State. Um, it's huge for the Doak Walker and, of course, for the Heisman because I think that lifted him to number one in the Heisman. Like, there's accounts saying that Walker's a Heisman lock at the moment. Don't want to curse it or anything, but um, if he plays great against Ohio State, I think it's curtains for the Heisman race. Um, as of right I don't now, think he even have to win anymore against Ohio State. He just has to play really? well. <laughs> okay, yeah, okay, yeah, I'm with that. I'm with that. Um, and Ohio State, CJ for CJ Verdell ran wild on Ohio State, um, earlier this year, so it, it's certainly within the realm of possibility. Um, so yeah, I mean, not much to say about Kenneth Walker. Everyone's talking about Kenneth Walker. Um, it's great to see a running back win it and, and a non-Bama running back at that because the last non-Bama running back was Reggie Bush in 05 um, or, or the man who shall not be named, you know, according to NCAA. <laughs> so uh, it, it's just, it's a great change of pace this year, really. Good thing Kenneth Walker has emerged in the age of NIL, uh, which is, you know, to avoid all that. Uh, do, you, do you want me to go ahead and go with my second guy on here? Yeah, because I think we're on the same page for the most part with with, uh, with this, except for our sleepers, really. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So uh, my next guy is Tyler Algier, uh, the running back from BYU. 197 carries, 1,132 yards, uh, 16 rushing touchdowns, about a 5.7 yards per carry. Another 19 receptions for 104 yards. Uh, Kenneth Walker wasn't the only one with a five touchdown performance Saturday in a game versus Virginia at 29 attempts, 266 yards, averaging nine yards a carry. And as aforementioned, five touchdowns, man, a, a lot of what I'm looking at with these backs is how do you perform in big games? Um, uh, with Tyler Edgier, uh 15 attempts and 33 yards and a touchdown versus Baylor. Uh, a two yard average for me doesn't cut it. It's just over two, two yards to carry, but he's made one of the best plays of the year uh, against Arizona state BYU's quarterback throw at just a really dumb interception almost got returned for a big pick six. I'm sure, you know, the play I'm talking about Algier chased him down DK Metcalf style, punched the ball out. BYU maintained possession is really an excellent hustle play. And just, I mean, he's played lights out ever since. Um, nothing that he does, in my opinion, at least is head and shoulders above something that, you know, everyone else does, but he has good vision. He makes good cuts. He has enough speed. And like we saw in that game against the Sun Devils, he has a willingness to lower his shoulder and a willingness to hustle. 
Absolutely. And I think Algiers heating up really. Um, the Virginia game you mentioned against big opponents, like Virginia is in the midst of the, of the ATC coastal race. They beat Pitt. Then, I mean, that, that division is theirs and they're in Charlotte. Oh yeah. The first yeah. Oh no, totally. I was just saying, if you look at BYU's like previous like schedule, it's like, I would put that Baylor game as their biggest and it's hard to gauge because they're independent. Right. I would just say, but it's just, it's tough because that's like the best, opponent that they've had this year and he had just two yards of carry which by the way i texted you this earlier there was another running back uh it was i think it was was it Brees? i can't remember who it was. it was robinson or uh, yeah robinson Baylor yeah john robinson he only averaged like two and a half yards per carry as well so that baylor run defense our rush defense is like incredible they're at a very high level i'm just saying that is the biggest game that they've had this year exactly but um i I think that virginia matchup uh that virginia performance for him like makes more than makes up for it because he had 29 carries 260 266 yards and five touchdowns and if you look down the stretch of byu schedule like i think algier is going to heat up um i i don't think i don't think i'll have huge numbers against idaho state because i'll probably pull starters very early in that one but it's still idaho state the potential is there for algier to have a huge first half Georgia Southern's on a down year as well at two and six. And then USC, that USC game can be a something, you know, pretty much like a huge game for him. If I can imagine that game being on Fox, being the Fox primetime game um, and, you know, Algier getting some great attention for that one. So he's heating up. Will he really catch Kenneth Walker levels? I don't think so because of Walk- the competition that Walker's playing and the fact that Walker's in the midst of the national title race. But I am very surprised that BYU was 15 in the in the, uh, in the playoff rankings. Like I thought they were out of the discussion for the New Year's Six, but if we're being honest, if stuff happens, man, like BYU can make top 12. I mean, they really could. Yeah, they certainly can. And it's not like you have like any group of five team that has to like steal a spot from the top 12. If anything, Cincinnati is going to be right in the gist of that. So, I mean, it can genuinely be maybe top 12 teams that are playing in the New Year's Six. But, um, yeah, man, he's had a great year. I mean, we've said it every week on Bulls and Booze. They're a lock for the Independence Bowl. Maybe not so much anymore as we see those first college football playoff rankings come out uh, Tuesday night. Um, I'll go ahead and go with my next guy, Sean Tucker from Syracuse. Uh, so far in the season, 201 intense. Uh 1,267 yards, 11 touchdowns, uh, about a 6.3 yards per carry, another 16 receptions for 238 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, he is best outside the tackles and on screens. Uh, those plays really allowed his speed to shine. And when he gets to the outside, I, really how he beats a free man is by changing direction. He's not going to plant his foot in the ground. He's excellent. He's kind of move, manipulating his hips and manipulating his body get around a free defender um is going back to how you play in big games omar we've both heard the phrase instead of before thing players not plays when does or who does your team trust when the competition is best if you look at syracuse's schedule this year they've had wake forest and liberty i would argue now let me let me know if you disagree i think those are probably the two best teams that they've played those of the three like games where his workload has been the highest both of those were on that list of the top three like it just shows how much Syracuse trusts Tucker and uh how much they're giving him against Wake Forest he had 26 attempts for 153 yards and two touchdowns another touchdown on a reception 
uh, including what was a game tying touchdown that sent the game to overtime versus now number what eight ranked Wake Forest. Uh, they're in the top 10. I can't remember the exact yeah. number. Yeah, top 10. It's Liberty, 32 attempts. Anytime you get over 30 attempts, it's amazing. Uh, 169 yards and one touchdown. They handed Liberty and Malik Willis their first loss of the year in that game. So it just shows, hey, the team's putting this, uh, you know, putting a lot of the big games on Tucker's back. I think it speaks a lot to, about him. I agree. And, I mean, you mentioned these big games. Um, I mean, it's so it's kind of like a macrocosm of the ACC, where the ACC, uh, there's a chance, there's a legitimate chance that Wake Forest wins out and they do not have a single ranked win. Um, it's a legitimate chance. Um, and it's strange. And that kind of reflects here with Tucker's resume for the for the Doak Walker, where, I mean, he's only played one ranked team, played well against them, but the rest of the games that he's played have kind of been non-consequential. I mean, Syracuse is improving really well. They should make a bowl. I don't want to jinx it. They're five and four with uh, three games to go, but they should make a bowl at six and six. But none of the games have been like really national relevant games. And so like, while, while guys like Walker and Algier are like having great games and getting national attention for it, Tucker's kind of bubbling under. I mean, I, if you were to if you were to tell like the casual college football fan who had more yards, or even like I guess a college football a, a diehard fan, a lot of people would say Kenneth Walker had more yards than Sean Tucker. Sean Tucker's got more yards by almost a hundred in nine. Well, he's played one more game, but you, you get you get the point. Like like Tucker is just as good, but I mean, not as I guess not as nationally relevant with Syracuse. But it's so cool to see um, Tucker following in the footsteps of so many great. Syracuse running backs, they might just unretire number 44 for him because you think about the great backs that played that have worn number 44. You got Jim Brown, Ernie Davis, Floyd Little, um, and even the ones that haven't worn 44, like Larry Zonka. Uh, he's following that tradition. It's pretty, it's pretty cool. So uh, and Tucker's only a sophomore right now. Yeah, oh, he's a freshman. So he's a super freshman. So we'll see where he goes the next few years. Also, I might mention that uh, certainly not the largest, but one of Syracuse's biggest claims to fame with football might be their journalism school. Both hosts of the two different Red Zone channels attended Syracuse, uh, which I think is always kind of funny. So, uh, but yeah, man, no, you're right. He's not playing for one of the, you know, big name schools or anyone certainly in the national title contention, like, you know, Kenneth Walker, uh, even New Year's Six contention like uh like Tyler Algiers but Sean Tucker obviously deserves to be recognized and uh and you know I mean he's fun to watch man like I said when the games are big they put the ball in his hands and gosh I mean he's he's been killing it with that uh I'll go ahead and go with my next guy I know he's a sleeper for you or at least was I'm not, I'm not sure if he's still on your list uh Brees Hall running back from Iowa State we talked a lot about him last year 179 attempts on the year just short of a thousand yards, 12 touchdowns and five and a half yards per carry. As far as catching the ball out of the backfield, 26 receptions, 208 yards and one touchdown. Um, Bruce Hall gets hot. Uh, I'll explain what I mean by that. So with games where he has 23 or less carries, which is five games that he's had that so far, 4.4 yards per carry and seven touchdowns. He's had three games where he has 24 or more carries. So obviously a much higher workload, 6.8 yards per carry and five touchdowns in three games. That's a 2.4 yards per carry difference, which is just insane. It shows you that the more touches he has, the hotter he gets. 
Yeah, and I mean, I sense that. I mean, last year, like Hall being, I think uh, the first was he unanimous? Was it unanimous or consent? I think I know for sure it's uh, consensus. Was he was he unanimous All American? Iowa State's first. Um, I can't. Uh, you're right. I can't remember if it was unanimous. I think it was unanimous because they, they've had yeah, good. I backs think it was before. too. I want to say it was. Yeah. So with him being that, um, I, I so I sense like Hall stock dropping because of the disappointment in Iowa State season. Um, and it's the same effect for for uh, Bijan Robinson, um, but you can't deny. It. I mean, and then again, on on the flip side, it could be an achievement type thing where Hall becomes a finalist for for the Doak Walker. But yeah, like you said, like when Iowa State's taking off their game, and I'm not saying that Brock Purdy uh, isn't a great quarterback because he is, but I, I think Iowa State works better when the play action's rolling when there's more balance and, and they're not forced to come back like they were in the Iowa game, you know. So. Um, it makes sense that when Hall's cooking, he's cooking for sure. Um, and, and I mean, he's a great back and he's having a great year. Uh, the stats don't match up as much as other backs, but, um, worth the mention, worth mention after the season he had last year, as is uh, my Maurice next back. Cook? Is that what you're trying to say? No, not, not really, <laughs> not exactly, but, <laughs> uh, we can start that. Yeah, man. No, for sure. I mean, Bruce Hall's had a phenomenal season. People are acting like he's a disappointment this year. Like, by no means is Bruce Hall a disappointment on the year. Um, I certainly know people at the, at the next level recognize that as well. Um, do you want me to go with my last guy, or do you want, do you want to go with one on here? Well, I'll go, I'll go with uh, one more guy. Uh, well, yeah, because I got two more guys. So I'm going to go with the next guy, a guy that uh, was the leading rusher in America last year, at least in FBS, Sincere McCormick. Um, and I think he's an interesting case. 190 carries for 891 yards, a little over 100 yards a game for UTSA, nine touchdowns. Got 600-yard games. His signature performance is a 41-carry game against Memphis and a come-from-behind victory. Um, just astounding that they were down three touchdowns and they kept handing Sincere McCormick the ball rather than – because they don't – because Frank Harris is a really good quarterback for UTSA, but they just kept handing the ball to Sincere McCormick and they still came back in three touchdowns. Really mind-blowing. Um, I think it's interesting with Sincere McCormick because UTSA being undefeated and they can run the table too because um, their biggest competition in the West, UAB, they they looked really vulnerable uh, last week losing to Rice of all schools. Um, so and they that's probably their big that's probably UTSA's biggest challenge aside from the conference championship game. Who, who the oh well excuse me aside from UTEP, but UTEP really hasn't beat anyone great. Uh, for being honest. But um, but yeah, so really thin schedule. Chance for Sincere McCormick to pad some stats, um, and him being on a thirteen zero team might help. I don't know if that gets him to be a finalist beyond the top three, but he's got a case. I mean, he's sort of got that reputation and cred like Brees Hall does, um, and he's got on the flip side where Hall's team has sort of been disappointing, not in the national title race. Uh, McCormick's team has been the, one of the big surprises uh, and great stories of the college football season. So they might piggyback off that and get him some votes. Yeah, no, absolutely. Sincere McCormick has had a phenomenal year. Uh, certainly someone that we're both looking forward to seeing what bowl game UTSA ends up getting, uh, or they get, you know, end up getting placed in. Um, but yeah, no, they've had, they've had such a great year. So I'll go with my next guy. Um, I've got, I, I love Sincere McCormick, right. And he's had a great year. Um, but I, I'm going to go with Big John Robinson uh, for my fifth guy. And, and there's something that I've heard. I, I think I got it from Maurice Jones-Drew. Um, as 
what to evaluate running backs on, right? And there are four things, vision, how you beat a free man, what you can do as a receiver, and contact balance. In my opinion, I think Robinson's more well-rounded in all of those than McCormick. That's, that's just my opinion. I haven't watched enough of either of them, probably. But um, with Bijan, um, 163 attempts on the year, 967 yards, almost six yards a carry and 11 touchdowns. As far as the receiving the ball, I love what he brings in, in, the, uh, in the passing game. 15 receptions, just over 200 yards, uh, 14 yards per catch, which is awesome, and another three touchdowns. He's great at planting his foot in the ground and cutting. He doesn't honestly need great contact balance because he's so good at avoiding contact most of the time. I also, in watching him, I was really surprised at how patient of a runner he was. And patience plays into vision, but his patience – and his really, really good instincts. He knows how to manipulate his body to force hesitation by defenders, and especially while inside the tackles. And I, I just really like how he plays. And it's disappointing that Texas is two and four versus power five teams. Uh, and they have not, you know, played great this year. But man, I mean, what a, what a great year Robinson has had. Yeah. And I mean, I, I want to say it's the same thing with, uh, with Brees Hall where it's like the disappointment may like maybe it would be a different story if uh, Texas held on for in the red, in the red river rivalry. Uh, maybe it's a different story and he's a front runner because of that game and also the name on the front of the Jersey. Um, but yeah, Bijan Robinson, he's destined for greatness. I think looks like a great, great pro ready back. I mean, we saw a taste of that in the Alamo bowl last year against Colorado. It's a solid Colorado defense. Uh, where he stole the show in what was supposed to be Sam Ellinger's last game. But, yeah, I mean, again, it's like we, we talked about Robbins earlier, but the stats have been they, – they they aren't as great as the other guys that we have. So, like, we, we mentioned these guys, and, like, my last guy is kind of like a, um, an add-on, something for fun. But it's like – I mean, and, and we recognize them as sleepers, but uh, I, I think Bajan Robinson, great year. But, again um, – he either might be ben- – he, he either might be benefited by the brand name of Texas or, or – um, hurt by pretty much their resume so oh he certainly will be helped by the the brand name of texas uh that's not the reason i'm putting him at five i I just think he's he's been a better back than mccormick this year i'm not taking anything away from mccormick in that but um that's just my opinion and you know but i mean we'll we'll see eventually for sure but john robinson will get an unwarranted boost from going to ut for sure though Absolutely. Um, and honestly, I mean, you mentioned, I, I felt like early in the season, I thought Robinson could cross 2000 yards. That's not looking like that's the case. You can probably have like a nice 1500 yard year, but um, certainly, I, I guess, you know, certainly great year for Texas, a uh, bright spot and a disappointing year. Um, I guess moving on to my, to my last guy, uh, this guy's probably more fit to win the Lowman trophy um, given out by PFT commenter, but I decided to put a fullback Brad Roberts, at air force on here because Roberts has had a great year an absolute workhorse for, um, for air force. He's got on the year. He has 185 carries 845 yards in, um, in eight games for, for the Falcons. And in one of those games, he had seven carries. So he could have, he could have, had, he could have, could have had um over 20 carries over 200 carries at this point but he got injured against San Diego State which is probably why one of the huge reasons why Air Force wasn't able to beat San Diego State on the 23rd um but he had a stretch where he had 29 carries versus UNM 
33 versus Wyoming, 28 versus uh, Boise State. He has five 100-yard games for the Falcons, 845 yards, over 100 yards per game. Um, should be more yards, honestly, too, if he doesn't get hurt against San Diego State. And he's got a big game on CBS, uh, you know, leading into the CBS game of the week against Army. Um, you know, I mean, not many, not many group of five backs have that. And, you know, people love fullbacks. Um, so Roberts is a, I mean, he's a sleeper for me. I don't think that he'll get, he'll get any love for it, but I think he brings an interesting case in terms of workload, because if I'm not mistaken, he might have more carries than Kenneth Walker. Yes. This man has more carries than Kenneth Walker by, by 10 carries. And I mean, he was injured, so he should have at least 20 more carries if he's not injured against San Diego state. Yeah, no, absolutely. And we talked a lot about that race in the Mountain West between, uh, you know, Fresno State, Air Force, San Diego State, all them. Uh, gosh, I mean, that's that's awesome. And it's amazing that he was hurt and still has more carries than Walker. Uh, that's just mind blowing to me. Um, I'm going to go with my first and only sleeper. I'm going to go with Rasheen Ali, uh, the running back from Marshall uh, Marshall's five and three, although they are in competition for the CUSA East, I believe, uh, 149 attempts, 808 yards, 15 touchdowns, almost 5.5 yards per carry, another 26 receptions, 202 yards and a touchdown. He has more touchdowns than Kenneth Walker. He has five multiple score games, including one with a 97 yard kickoff return against Appalachian state. He's only a freshman. He has a heavy workload. A lot to improve, um, but he's raw. He's a zero-star recruit that's taken advantage of a lot of playing time. I, I think we'll be talking about him in the next couple of years. I mean, Ali has just had a phenomenal year for Marshall. One word that explains why we're not talking about him is the exposure conference, or not one word, but one sentence, the exposure conference USA. That's why everyone left conference USA, really. Um, geographic sprawl and lack of exposure. Uh, Ali burst on the scene um, against, uh, or Ali, Ali burst on the scene against Navy. He had, I think, four touchdowns against Navy in that blowout win. Um, and from there, too, I mean, he was going at it with Cameron Peoples on Thursday night against App State in a great running back battle. Uh, yeah, I mean, Marshall always produces great running backs, especially recently, like the 2014 team that went that went 12 and one with the or I'm sorry, 13 and one with a uh, Rakeem Cato. Uh, I haven't, I know you haven't heard that name in a while. Rakeem Cato, Tommy Schuler. Uh, they had Devin Rockhead Johnson carrying the ball. I think he was a converted linebacker. Great back there. Last year they had a uh, Brendan Knox carrying the ball and he was hurt in the, in the final couple of games, which uh, might've been the reason that, um, that, that Grant Wells, I mean, really, really struggled in the last couple of games. Didn't have the run game to, uh, to really support him there. Why he threw five picks against rise when I struggled against UAB and Buffalo. But, um, you know, Marshall looks to be, I guess, the top dog in the East. We'll see. We'll see who wins this game against FAU this weekend. Uh, it's either this weekend or the next. But we'll see who wins that one because that's a, that's a huge game for that division. But I don't think either of those teams matches up well against UTSA. But still, uh, Rasheen Ali, definite name for us to remember in the future. Yeah, definitely. And like I said, like, it's amazing that he's a zero-star recruit who is a freshman and getting this kind of workload, much less production, is just incredible. So uh, hats off to Ali, and we'll, we'll definitely be talking about him. Um, did you have one more guy, or did you want to move in to kind of our, our top five at the Heisman? Um, no, that was it. That was it for my guys ending, okay. ending in, uh, in Roberts. Yeah. So, yeah, we can yeah. do Heisman. So, well, I, 
with the Heisman, this is something that I haven't done a great job of. I want to make this clear that like, this is like my top five. This is not by no means like my prediction. Um, this is just kind of what I think um, this is who I think is the most deserving in top five order. Uh, first, Kenneth Walker. And it's hard to not say that, right? He had his Heisman moment or his updated Heisman moment, I should say, versus Michigan with five touchdowns. Uh, my next guy, Desmond Ritter. I, I really don't understand why Ritter isn't higher on a lot of these lists and betting odds lists and all that, right? He's the leader of a top six team and has a phenomenal Heisman moment of beating Notre Dame on the road. I really don't understand why he uh, why he isn't getting more attention. Uh, CJ Stroud is my next guy. And actually my, ne- my next two guys are both because of what could happen with that, right? CJ Stroud versus Kenneth Walker. No, they won't be on the field at the same time. But that game versus Michigan State is huge. Like that has so many implications, especially since they've already lost to Oregon. There's so many playoff implications with that. And CJ Stroud really will have an opportunity to shine. And it pains me to say this, but the same thing with my next guy, Caleb Williams. I'm looking at the calendar, man. That Baylor game is huge. I don't like the idea of a backup quarterback winning the Heisman uh, when he wasn't even starting for a good chunk of the year, but crazier things have happened. I think there are also a couple other Oklahoma quarterbacks that have won it recently. I, I could be mistaken on that um, with Baker Mayfield and Kyle Murray, just, you know, a couple years removed from that. Finally, I mean, I can't not mention Bryce Young, if only because Alabama is the number two ranked team somehow. I think that will play a large part of that. I will say, like, where is Bryce Young's Heisman moment, right? Two touchdowns and an interception versus Ole Miss. Matt Corral himself had two touchdowns and no interceptions versus Alabama. His second worst completion percentage was against Florida in a game that was worse than Mac Jones had all year last year. And he lost to Texas A&M. I don't understand where Bryce Young's Heisman moment is, but he's certainly playing at a high level. It's hard to deny that. Uh, so I, I, of course, I am going to include him on it. Yeah, listen, I mean, I agree with you mostly. Um, I mean, my top five really, and I'll I'll get into yours. Uh, I'll, I'll I'll rebut yours. Uh, use a debate term, but um, so first, I do have Kenneth Walker at first. Second for me, um, I got to say Sam Hartman. Sam Hartman's playing as good as anyone in the country right now. Uh, twenty-two touchdowns, three picks, great touchdown interception ratio, and he he should be able to feast against this UNC defense um, this coming weekend in a non-conference game in a non-conference game against North Carolina. I mean, um, it's it's really interesting. But yeah, I got Sam Hartman too because he's playing as as good as anyone in the country. Number three, I got Desmond Ritter. Um, but I mean, Ritter he hasn't he hasn't exploded really. I mean, he's played consistently great. But he hasn't had the explosions that Sam Hartman or Kenny Pickett ha- have had. So um, so I got Ritter at 3-4. I have Bryce Young um, because, again, like the, those Bama stats. Like you mentioned, like no, no Heisman moment, but it was kind of the same thing with like Tua, Tua Tungo-Vailoa in 2018 and 2019 where, um, where, I mean, like he didn't really have a moment, but the consistent play was there and he was building up stats week by week. So I got, I got, I got Bryce Young at number four. And then number five, um, I mean, old habits kind of die hard. Um, I got, I got to go Kenny Pickett here. Cause even though, even though Pitt lost to Miami, he still, he's still over 500 yards. Um, I mean, that, that's nothing to sneeze about. And like, they, I don't think Pitt lost because of Kenny, Kenny, Kenny Pickett, excuse me, I almost combined the names. I don't think they lost because of Kenny Pickett. It's because the defense just did not show up to Heinz field. Um, so 
yeah, so that's my top five. Um, I mean, I, I love I love the love for Ritter as a group of five guy, but he's just the the stats kind of match more of a of a Troy Smith type vibe where it's like he's on a great team. And it's like because he's on a great team, um, we'll we'll put we'll give him the Heisman when the stats aren't really there. It's like one can make the argument interesting interestingly enough, one can make the argument that against Navy, Navy's quarterback Ty Lavatai outplayed Desmond Ritter. Um, eleven for fifteen, one hundred sixteen yards for Lavatai. Highly efficient. Ritter, 18 for 30, 176 yards, two touchdowns and a pick. You can make the argument. Um, it might be entertaining, but yeah, you know, it's games like that. I will ask you, where is Cincinnati without Ritter? If the if you input like just an average quarterback, right? Because Ritter is above average. I think we would both at least say that. Where is Cincinnati in the top six, do you think? Like, is his team around him that great? I'm not taking anything away from the rest of Cincinnati. I'm just saying, like, are they that good? Are they that well-rounded that without Ritter, they would be a top-10 team? I think I think they would still be top-10, and I'll tell you why. Because Jerome Ford runs the ball really? very well. Jerome Ford has 864 yards and 14 touchdowns for Cincinnati. And, you know, we both love, we both love this guy, Alec Pierce. Alec Pierce can jump, can catch a jump ball over anyone in the country, man. Uh, you've we both seen it. I mean, we he really burst on the scene uh, in the in the AAC title game last year. I was like, who is this guy, man? This guy's jumping all over the field. And you mentioned that's just the offense. You mentioned the defense. Sauce Gardner, arguably one of the best, arguably the best corner of the country. If I, if I'm a betting man, I think Sauce Gardner is the best corner of the country. And the rest of that defense, I think Cincinnati's still a top ten team because you think about it. That Notre Dame game, I mean, Ritter didn't really make that many great plays. I was mostly, uh, you know, a great performance by the defense. Um, I mean, the game hasn't really been put in his hands except for the Indiana game, uh, if, we're, if we're being honest. like Because they had to come back against Indiana, um, but even then the defense buckled down late in that game. So I, I still think Cincinnati's a top-10 team, maybe 50-50 on that. Definitely a top-15 team without Ritter, you know? Yeah, yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Uh, that's something I'll, I'll have to evaluate next week for sure. Probably, maybe I shouldn't have them at two. I know my three and four guys are based purely, not that they haven't done well on the field, but purely off of um, what they could be in the future, right? Which is why I had Kenneth Walker on, on my list previously. Desmond Ritter and Kenneth Walker right now I have on for their production. Bryce Young, just because it's hard to ignore his stat line. With that, but yeah, no, and certainly Kenny Pickett. I, I if I have Ritter on there, I should put Kenny Pickett on there as well. So you're you're absolutely right with that. I mean, yeah, it's just interesting this year too because it feels like no one's really like catching our eye. Like the the September high, we had a September Heisman winner Matt Corral, but he's cooled off significantly. Like he came crashing down to earth like Icarus against Alabama. Um, and then since then, it's like kind of been a vacuum, um, except for this past Saturday with Kenneth Walker's five touchdown, uh, you know, symphony against Michigan. Props to you if you were expecting an Icarus reference on the hardware podcast today, talking about the dope Walker award. Um, uh, moving on to our uh, to our games to watch of the week. Um, Omar, I'll let you go ahead and take the first one. Yeah, um, I just want to say that ESPNU has some bangers in the FCS uh, on Thursday and Friday. Um, well, okay, I think bangers and overstatement for the first game I want to mention. I'm going to mention these two games as a package deal. So tomorrow night, or shoot, when this will drop, 
tonight um because we're dropping this tomorrow on thursday morning though thursday night they'll have delaware state morgan state and we know about the miac being a five game season so this game is absolutely huge for delaware state but like i mean we talked about delaware state during the spring season and we talked about how um you know the the passing game is a liability i mean jared lewis man he um he's having a nice year out in out in dover uh, six. He has 831 passing yards, 12 touchdowns, two picks, not making many mistakes. We talked about Trey Gross last year too. He had a great game against Howard on a nice April Saturday. Gross has seven touchdown catches in 31 in 31 catches. So two guys to watch out for there. Delaware State's four and four. I mean, I kind of wrote off Delaware State after they lost to after they got blown out by Merrimack and they lost to Georgetown, the Georgetown Hoyas, the school that only cares about basketball. But they're four and four. And yes, they lost to South Carolina State, but they have a huge game against Norfolk State on Veterans Day weekend. And I mean, like we said, it's a five game season, too. Like we could have a three way tie at the top of the MEAC, too, with the way things shake out, because I got another MEAC game to mention, too. So that's on Thursday, Friday. I mean, old habits die hard. We got the Ivy League, Dartmouth versus Princeton 2019. The last time they played Yankee Stadium was a was a sesquicentennial spotlight game. Sesquicentennial meaning 150th anniversary of the start of call of 150th anniversary of anything, really. Um, wow. And are you running some flex phone? But anyway, so we have a we have seven and seven Princeton. They got Colin Smith throwing the ball very well um, for Princeton. They have Colin Eady, ten rushing touchdowns. So a very balanced attack. You know you're going to get that from Princeton. We've talked about Dartmouth so much with their rushing attack attack with Nick Howard and Derek Klein. They came down to earth a bit against uh, Columbia, but they ended up beating Harvard. Um, yeah, they ended up beating Harvey last week. So a great game on a Friday night. Um, honestly, probably the game of the night on, on Friday night for sure. Uh, so ESPNU with some really important games in FCS um, the next two nights. So should be fun to watch. I was this close to picking that as one of my games to watch this week, actually. I was very close. Oh, Princeton Dartmouth? No, Delaware. Delaware. State. Oh, okay. Was it Trey Gross? Yeah. Was it Trey Gross that, uh, that, that caught your eye or? Certainly played a part in it. Um, and the fact that it was on ESPNU, that's awesome exposure. Uh, oh, absolutely. And the conference in general. Um, it got bumped out from this one, though. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, Marshall at Florida Atlantic uh, as my first game, something we already talked a little bit about. Uh, the winner likely plays uh, or wins the CUSA East and faces UTSA. Uh, Florida Atlantic hasn't lost a game at home. Marshall's on the three-game win streak. We already talked about Racine Alley and the success he's had with Marshall. Something's got to give in this game, and we'll see what it is. Absolutely. And, I mean, Florida, one of the, one of the great stories in college football this year is uh, Nkosi Perry uh, having a nice rebound season. If there was a comeback player of the year award in college football, I'd give Perry it because he's looking comfortable in that FAU offense. Um, FAU had a great defense and running game last year, but quarterback play really stopped it. I mean, uh, Nick Trani and uh, I think it was, I think it was a, uh, Jadavian Posey, I forget his first name, but Posey, um, two great quarterbacks that could run the ball well, but like when FAU got behind, I mean, it was hard for them to come back. Uh, but, you know, uh, and Cozy Perry, he, he's playing great, you know, looking great for the Owls, um, looked awesome against Charlotte last weekend. Um, and a really, I mean, you know, kind of, I wouldn't say surprising, but I would have, I would expect to Charlotte to be more competitive in that one. Um, actually, no, sorry. They played Charlotte two weeks ago on national TV. They played UTEP last week and they beat UTEP. So, um, just a really great matchup there. Uh, is that one on CBS sports network on Friday? Is that, is that Friday on CBS SN? You know what? I forgot to write down the channels on my games to watch, but I, I would guess. I, I can get that to you really quick. 
Yeah. Um, um, so that one, I, I'm pretty sure it is. Um, actually, nope. I don't see a network, so it's on Stadium. I think it's on Stadium or oh, on really? Facebook. <laughs> oh my! <laughs> oh, you know, every I week think it is on Facebook. I feel like I saw that actually. Or every it... week we run into this, Jackson. Every week we spot like a, a Conference USA game, and it's either on Stadium or Facebook. I think it's the funniest thing ever. That's just so I know, funny. It is. Or is it <laughs> really just say Meta or Nova or whatever Facebook's rebranding to? I sure, can't. we'll call we'll call it Meta. Yeah, we'll call it Meta. I, I don't know. I don't. I don't care. Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't either. Uh, I'll go ahead and go with, with my next game to watch: uh, Liberty at Ole Miss or the uh, preseason Super Bowl. Uh, that was ranked before. This is one of the most highly anticipated matchups that we've had in a while, at least in the preseason. Matt Corral versus Malik Willis, you know, the place will be packed with scouts. Uh, I, I ask you a question, Omar. Is Liberty ranked by the committee if they pull off this upset? Absolutely. Um, yeah. Because it's and Ole Miss be. and they're ranked. Yeah, I mean, you beat a ranked team and you're seven. They would be, I believe, eight and two or seven and two. Um, about you deserve to be ranked. Yeah, no, yeah. definitely. So, yeah, well, I mean, that answers that question. So, um, yeah, man, I mean, it, I'm looking forward to seeing what they do. Obviously, you have Hugh Freeze and that whole storyline, too. So, you know, it's it's awesome to see. But uh, what what's your next one on the list? My next one, um, I mean, the FCS slate is really chock full of great games. So I'm going to go to the SoCon uh, with a team that with two teams that we've talked about um, on the podcast before VMI in the spring, making their first uh, playoff appearance ever and having their first winning season. That's right. The, this program did not have a winning season for a good 40 years. Um, and they did it through the Arrow Blue Spring. Jacob Harris, Reese Udinsky, uh, great pass connection. Seth Morgan's playing well at quarterback, but they're leaning more in the ground game. They got Corey Brighty, um, 621 yards and seven touchdowns for the Keydets. They're playing East Tennessee State, 7-1 and one versus 6-2 and two VMI. Huge implications for the FCS playoffs, for the SOCON, which has looked wild at times. There's many teams that are doing so great in the SOCON. I um, mean, you can steal some bids. And, of course, we mentioned our guy Quay Holmes. Um, you know, uh, a Walter Payton Award candidate. I think he'll be a finalist, honestly, uh, over 900 yards rushing. So you got just a star-studded matchup, relatively speaking, and important important implications out there um, in, in uh, Johnson City, Tennessee. Uh, that one, I believe, is ESPN+. Plus. Um, I, I forget the time. I did not put the time for that one. Yeah, no, that'll be that'll be an interesting game to watch. And yeah, like you said, lots of action this week in the FCS. My next game, I'm going to go with Florida A&M at Southern. Uh, Southern has had a really disappointing year after winning the SWAC West last year. Uh, if they lose this one, they'll have a losing record altogether. Florida A&M is on a five-game win streak. We'll see what happens as they go on the road. Yeah, Jackson, you picked like a game that used to be like so important on the on the HBCU calendar. Like these are two of the biggest brand names in HBCU sports. Um, when you when you look at the two teams that joined the SWAC uh, and how they've adjusted, Florida AM has obviously done way better than Bethune Cookman, with Cookman going 0-8 at this point, which is one of the shocks of the year, in my opinion. Um, but yeah, a great game out there in the SWAC. And um, there's been there's been talk about the the team that doesn't win the SWAC East being um, in the talk for an at-large bid if they don't end up going to the SWAC title game and the Celebration Bowl. So a huge game for Florida A&M's postseason, um, postseason implications. 
with the winner of that division likely looking to win the swag title, being the stronger team in the conference. Um, so that that one is a great one for sure. Um, Southern, they, they might be reeling from um, from losing their coach Dawson Odoms to Norfolk State, which is a great segue to my next game. Wow, it's amazing how that worked out. But Norfolk State against North Carolina Central, and again that five game season, they're playing out there out there in Durham. Um, I don't know if you saw this today, but Deshaun Dixon for Norfolk State became the first Norfolk State player to get an invite to the East West Shrine Bowl since 2009, when Don Carey, who would go on to be drafted by the Browns, played in the in the 2009 game. Uh, Dixon has 34 tackles, seven TFLs, and six and a half sacks, and four quarterback hurries. Since you like you love quarterback hurries, so he gets in the backfield quick. Um, and it'll be important for him to chase around Davius Richard, who had a great game in the in the opening game, the Miak Swack kickoff um, for North Carolina Central. North Carolina Central, of course, lost to um, South Carolina State last week, so that's a huge loss. But uh, a lot of a lot of people think a lot of people, a lot of HBCU writers, that think that Norfolk State is a team to beat in the Miak. So that would be a huge win for Central, and it would create a lot of chaos. As I mean, I'm thinking that there could be a, a three way tie. Um, in the MIAC, but that one's a huge game too. And not just Deshaun Dixon, but Jawan Carter. I'm kind of, I love that Deshaun Dixon is going to be in the Shrine Bowl, but I, I've loved Jawan Carter this whole year. Um, 988 yards, 17 touchdowns, two picks, 293 rushing yards, five touchdowns, a dual threat can do it all in the, in the green and gold. You might think he's Aaron Rodgers with the way that he performs in green and gold, but, um, Maybe we'll see Carter in the NFL PA um, all-star game. Maybe we'll see him there. But I think Carter's too good to not make an all-star game. And, like, he's a talent. Oh, definitely. I mean, this is something that I mean, we haven't talked about yet, but I'm sure we'll have uh, all-star game previews with the Shrine, the uh, Reese Senior Bowl, obviously, in the uh, in the NFL PA Bowl. I'm, I'm sure the hula. We'll Can't forget the hula. <laughs> yeah, of course, the Hula Bowl. I, I'm sure we'll go over a lot of those too as those rosters start getting released. As uh, and that that won't happen until kind of near the end of bowl season or even maybe a little bit after. But um, yeah, I mean, we'll we'll definitely get into those. Uh, my next game, I'm gonna go with Auburn at Texas A&M. I guess the opposite end of the spectrum, right? Um, Auburn knows that they control their own destiny to win the SEC West. Uh, Texas A&M knows that they still could go, but a lot less likely because they need Auburn to win after losing this game. Uh, College Station is a tough place to play, man. Uh, we saw that with Alabama and Bryce Young struggling out there. Tigers are glad it's not at night, in all honesty. Uh, I believe it's a 3.30 game on CBS immediately following my next game to watch. Uh, do you want to get into your next game first? So I'm going to go with the left coast. Another, these FCS okay. games are really hitting this week because we talked about Eric Barrier last week. Um, he's like, he's got his biggest test of the season, arguably on defense against Montana state in a game that is at four o'clock Eastern on ESPN plus, but Montana state's allowing 10.4 points per game on defense. So this is like, this is probably like the spiciest, like, like matchup of the weekend. I think in the FCS, because I mean, barrier, I mean, everyone knows about Eric barrier, 30 touchdowns, six picks in eight games, 3,300 yards in eight games over 400 per game. But like, that Montana State defense isn't a joke, obviously, with 10.4 points allowed. Both teams are 7-1. and one. Uh, I think the winner of this game would get a seed um, because the FCS playoffs, just to recap, uh, because it's 24 teams, eight teams get buys and get seeds. So the seeding is huge. If you get a seed, that's huge. You get the bye week, you get the rest, kind of like the NFL playoffs. So 
I mean, this is a huge game for the playoffs, just as huge as VMI uh, ETSU is for teams getting in the playoffs. This is huge for uh, getting that rest and getting that extra game to really prepare. And because uh, I mean, with the uh, twenty-four games, that's 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 about four. That's about four games if you're running the table. I mean, you, even three games is tough enough to win a championship. So huge game out there in Eastern Washington, Barrier versus the uh, Montana State defense. No, absolutely. I think we've talked a little bit about that Montana State defense as well. I believe I had a guy for the Buck Buchanan uh, on that last week on, on last week's podcast. So, yeah, that's no, definitely going to be an interesting one to watch. And, yeah, what a loaded FCS slate this week as uh, as college game day is visiting Tulsa at Cincinnati. Um, I'm going to go with my last game to watch uh, Army technically at Air Force. It's 11 a.m. Eastern, as Omar mentioned on CBS. Um, I realized that it was the game was in Arlington after I had done this research, but I worked hard on it, so I'm going to say it anyway. Uh, Omar, only one time since 1977 has a three-loss Army team gone on the road to Air Force and won. Do you know what year that was for the, the only time in four-plus decades? Oh, has gone to, oh, three-loss Army team? More, more than the three losses quite. or more? Three losses or more. An army team that had three or more losses. Yes, 2005. Man, you have good at these questions, man. I literally had no idea. Um, I mean, Army is hungry to break this three-game losing streak that they have, but that there is no – they don't know how to face the triple option offense. I mean, Air Force is – they have a better third down defense. They have a better scoring defense. They have a top 30 rush defense. We'll see what happens over there in Arlington. So it'll be fun to watch for sure. Oh, interestingly enough about this game is it is to the date. It is 56 years to the date of the last neutral site Army Air Force game. That game is always played on campus. Sites. Was it Chicago? Yeah, Soldier Field. Yes, yes. Um, okay. Yeah. Soldier Field, and then the first ever game was played at Yankee Stadium, which I think that's an idea that um, Army should rediscover, should, you know, should look into again. But the number one hit song for that at on November 6th of 1965, Get Off get off of My Cloud by the Rolling Stones, uh, Gas Prices in 19... You, you know I got to do this. Uh, gas Prices oh, yeah. in 1965. Every time we, we do something historical like this, Gas Prices in 1965 were... 31 cents a gallon, uh, you know, great time. Great times, I guess, we're in the Lyndon Baines Johnson, uh, excuse me, Lyndon Baines Johnson presidency. And then uh, the number one movie at that time, as I pull it up, the top movie in 1965 was The Sound of Music. You know, how, oh, how, wow. how beautiful. Okay. How beautiful. Um, so, yeah, yeah. It, it's really not an interesting game. The next two years we played at the Rangers Ballpark, Globe, Globe Life Field. No, Globe Life Park. No, it's field. I'm sorry. Like <laughs> they named this, the, the stadium so similar to each other that it's hard at times, but really great game on, on CBS 1130. Can you guess who's doing play-by-play -play for this game? I think, I think, you know, who's doing play-by-play -play, Jackson. Could it be friend of the show, Rich Waltz? Friend of the show, Rich Waltz. And it's funny that he's finally doing an army game because I asked him what his thoughts were on the army Navy game, um, which is going to happen a couple nights after uh, we we interviewed him. And he's, he pretty much said that he uh, does not watch Academy football. Well, he's getting a heavy dose of it now. Like, he doesn't watch army or Navy. Well, he's going to be watching army um, obviously um, on November 6th. So great to see our friend out there in the Rangers ballpark. And it, it's kind of full circle for him because Rich Waltz, um, 
you know, being the play-by-play guy for the Marlins, got a huge baseball background, and now he's a play-by-play guy for the Angels, who's a division a division rival of the Rangers, and he's been calling the Shohei Otani blast. It, it's, it should be a fun environment, win or lose. Uh, hopefully, Army pulls out on top and, um, you know, rights the ship, but, I mean, it, it's going to be a tough game either way. Um, so, yeah, like, should, should be a great game. I, I do have one more game um, I'm going to mention really quick. Uh, I don't think anyone needs to be reminded of UTEP-UTSA because uh, the Sickos committee was was vouching really hard for that one to be on game day. Uh, McCormick, <laughs> uh, Jacob Cowing, uh, Gavin Hardison, so much star power. And the winner of that game controls their own destiny in, the, in Conference USA West. Um, surprising, or surprisingly, really, if, if you were to, talk, were to tell people that UTEP-UTSA would be the most important game in the, in the, in the division – People would probably laugh at you, um, especially like if you said UTEP. Uh, I also have Penn State, Maryland, too. I think that's a game for upset alert. I think that's an upset alert right there for Penn State. Um, surprisingly, both teams are five and three. Um, and this game's going to be really? at Maryland. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Um, I did not of know course, that. Maryland got off to their yearly hot start. So Maryland got off to their yearly mm-hmm. hot start. But Penn State, they got the loss to Illinois. They got the loss to Iowa. And then, of course, Auburn, too. So like they kind of they kind of added up. Yeah um that's true but that that added up quick yeah yeah i think the game not being at beaver stadium is going to be huge and we've seen that that penn state i mean is kind of vulnerable too like um playing against illinois and stuff like if they can lose to illinois i certainly think they can lose to maryland especially on the road going to maryland so um utsa on the west and on the east marshall florida atlantic two very important games in the, in the in conference USA, and um, probably probably would be one of the last times you see uh, matchups like that in the, in the next after the next few years. <laughs> I'm sorry to make jokes at conference USA's expense, but it's it's kind of crazy how uh, how the Brown stuff hit the fan this week. <laughs> Kicking people while we're down, I see. Yeah, I mean, Army Army was a conference USA member, but uh, you know, it, for self preservation and um, not a good record, they got out, and I'm glad I'm glad they did, honestly. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. No, that's fair, man. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, uh, good. Like we've talked about before, it's a very deep slate. It's not a top-heavy slate, which can be a good thing. There's not too many games that really pop off, but there's a lot of good quality games. And it seems like every week when it's weeks like that, that uh, that that's when the most interesting stuff happens or the biggest upsets even. Uh, so, yeah, man, no, a lot, a lot to cover. Uh, looking forward to seeing how it plays out. And man, I'm really glad we recorded this Doak Walker one after the two five touchdown performances that we saw last Saturday. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, it really clears the picture a lot more than if we were to do this earlier. But um, yeah, no, I'm glad we did it as well. Yeah, man, well, that, that wraps it up for me. Uh, I know we're recording this, Omar. I'm sure you had it on too. Uh, Kent State finally. A winning record now with a win over NIU, so which is awesome to see too. Shameless plug, shameless plug. Uh, if they win the division, action. Yeah. Yep. Nothing. Wednesday night action. If they win the, the the division, I'll close with this. If they win the division, they have a shot at playing their first ever Power Five opponent in a bowl game. If they go to the Quick Lane Bowl, oh. uh, totally in play there. Um, the the heads head matchup over Northern Illinois, if they were to beat them twice, would probably be something that sends them to Detroit for that bowl game. But uh, just something to look for in bowl season. So yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. Definitely something to look for. So, yeah, man. Well, that, that about wraps it up for me. Anything else for you, brother? Nope. Just uh, stay frosty out there and uh, peace, love, and soul, everyone.